Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We're back with new episodes in 2017, telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics across the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, and if you'd like to get involved with Diabetics Doing Things, all you have to do is shoot me an email or reach out via Instagram. Hey everyone, before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. We had a great first year of the podcast, but none of it would have been possible without you and your support. I love getting messages, emails, and comments from type 1 diabetics all over the world. It really makes my day. So keep sharing, searching, and commenting, and I'll keep tracking down the people behind the amazing type 1 stories out there. Now, let's get back to the episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. I'm your host, Rob Howe, and we're back for 2017. Uh, and our guest is uh, from Wellington, New Zealand, is Rebecca Ryan. Rebecca, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, this is exciting. Uh, I think uh, you and I met very recently on Instagram, and I, uh, I'm really glad that we were able to uh, make some time today to uh, do the interview. Yeah, same. Yeah, it's, um, Instagram's amazing. It's, I've just sort of recently discovered a whole new community of people on there, and it's it's awesome. I'm really enjoying sort of connecting with people from all over the world with diabetes. It's it's it's, it's great, isn't it? I think, um, yeah. you know, when I meet up with different type 1 diabetics, everyone always says how surprised they are about how supportive and inclusive the community is. And I think I'm definitely, I've definitely experienced that. And I think, you know, it's it's a great resource for people who are looking for information or just people to talk to. It's just really fantastic. It's amazing. I'm, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I've only just recently kind of started getting to know a few people on there. Um, and I mean, I don't actually have many people in my real life that I know with diabetes. So it is actually really nice to talk to people, um, even though they're kind of all over the world. Well, and that's a good, uh, that's a good point. Not everybody has access to people who have experience with type one diabetes. And I think that can be instrumental in, you know, how you live your life after diagnosis. So do you want to talk a little bit about how you got diagnosed and uh, sort of how old you were and what were the circumstances around that? Yeah, so I've had diabetes, type 1 diabetes, for just over seven years now. Um, I was 19. Um, I was in my first year of university and was just sort of wrapping up for the year, really, um, and... It was the end of year exams, um, and I all of a sudden, you know, had the classic symptoms. Um, I was really tired, dehydrated, drinking lots of water, that whole vicious cycle, you know, <laughs> um, not really sure what was going on, and it was just sort of, it, it had been such an interesting year for me. It was my first year away from home. Um, I had, you know, just been kind of making my way in the world a little bit, um, and didn't really know what was going on, to be honest. Um, I thought, you know, it was the interview exams. Maybe I was studying too hard, pushing myself a little bit. I probably wasn't. I wasn't actually studying that hard. So I knew that that probably wasn't um, what was happening. And um, yeah, I was just, I was really struggling. And then, um, you know, talking to my parents, my friends, and eventually they sort of said, you know, you need to go and go to a doctor and see what's happening here. And um, but even then, it wasn't that straightforward. Um, I was sort of in and out of doctor's offices. Um, they thought I was pregnant, <laughs> and I definitely was not pregnant. <laughs> um, I had eyesight checks. I had all sorts of, um, yeah, all sorts of different tests for various different things. And, um, 
yeah, then eventually I went, had another appointment and um, I, because I was struggling with study and all of that, um, I just had a big in a can of energy drink and that just shot my sugars right up. And so um, I was rushed into hospital. I think they were about 40, um, you know, when, when oh, that's in our New Zealand system. I'm not sure what you guys right. um, so work that, on. That is, a, that is a big difference. And I think uh, mainly in like the UK versus the US, and it's very, it's very similar to, like, I guess, the metric system versus the English system. We just do things yeah. a little bit different over here. Yeah, so, well, I mean, here it's supposed to be between four and eight, so 40 was, yeah, a little bit elevated. Wow, that is, uh, that's a little bit up there. (laughs) Yeah, so I spent, um, I spent that night in hospital in Dunedin, I was at Otago University, and, um, yeah, I mean, I was really lucky, I was at a, I was at a hall of residence, um, and I, so, sort of living in dorm rooms, and I had a lot of amazing friends who were there for me that night, um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't know what diabetes, I mean, I, I kind of had a, a reasonable idea of what diabetes was, but I, I couldn't have told you the difference between type one and type two, or even, you know, the purpose of the pancreas. <laughs> right. I, I, I had no idea. Um, so yeah, I guess then that sort of kicked everything off and I was all of a sudden hit with all sorts of information and um, yeah, sort of overwhelmed, overwhelmed a little bit, but um, kicked off. It was been an interesting seven years. I think it's an interesting journey. I think uh, just looking at how it changes the way you live day to day life, right? And um, it's also interesting that you had to go for some time. It sounds like uh, from the first time you went into the to the doctor to get checked out uh, to the time you were actually diagnosed. How uh, how long of a period of time was that? It was probably, I mean, a few weeks. I guess I was. Yeah, I, I went home to um, my hometown was a few hours away from where I was studying. Um, so yeah, between there and home, um, I was traveling up and down to see you know my my GP and um, and Gore, and then back to Dunedin to the hospital there. And yeah, it was a couple of sort of fairly uncertain weeks. And you know when they start testing for um, sort of some fairly rare and odd um, you know other other things that it could have been. Um, it yeah, becomes a pretty stressful situation, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, and at the same time, I was still, I was finishing my first year exams and needing to pass uni. And um, so that sort of threw another spanner in the works. And talking about that as well, being, uh, you know, at that age, after your first year off at university, 19 years old, uh, what was it like for you adjusting your lifestyle? Um, you know, w- once you had, uh, you know, been diagnosed, you mentioned that you had really supportive uh, people living with you in your residence hall. Uh, what were those conversations like? Well, it was interesting actually because uh, a lot of the students at my hall were studying medicine. So <laughs> they went, oh my God, like, why didn't we see these symptoms? You know, we're studying to be doctors and um, we didn't pick up on that. Um, so to be honest, they were actually just really fascinated by the whole thing. And um, I spent a lot of time sort of, I, I ended up live flatting with them the next year and they found it all quite fascinating really. You know, they would um, guess what my blood sugar would be before meals and just kind of generally watch what I was doing and they were, they were learning about this sort of stuff at uni. So um, so you sort of became, I mean, became a little bit of a science experiment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think at one stage they had to like inject, inject themselves, not, not with insulin, but just practice, you know, um, 
finding injection sites and that sort of thing. And so they were quizzing me about that. And um, so, I mean, that was that was quite good actually to have them around, and um, it kind of kept me on track for the for the first year at least because um, they were they were watching me. <laughs> right. It's it's kind of nice to have a team full of uh, people who are concerned about you, but also might be experts one day in uh, yeah. what you're going through. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was it was hard, though, I mean, because I was, you know, wanting to live the student life like everyone else was, and uh, I guess drinking's a big part of that, going out, you know, just sort of finding your way in the world a little bit, and so to be hit with um, this disease, I guess, was uh, a bit of a struggle, yeah. <laughs> So just knowing, you know, what's what's safe and what's not and how to monitor, uh, talk about that process a little bit. Was it and, you know, having the support of your friends, I'm sure, was a big part of it. Yeah, it, it was. Um, and it was hard as well. Like, I know my parents really struggled um, to kind of, yeah, know that I was out there doing it by myself, you know, away from home. Um, and yeah, I mean... I probably initially didn't really help myself or, or look after myself as much as I could because I didn't want it to sort of define me or change anything about my lifestyle. So, um, yeah, I, I probably could have had better control and, um, you know, uh, just looked after myself a little bit better. I mean, I, yeah, I didn't go off the rails or anything, but, um, yeah, I certainly didn't want it to take over my life. Um, and and yeah. I think that's an important part of, you know, every type one's journey, right? Is that you have those things in your life that are really important that you want to keep doing and mm. uh, you don't want to make the disease define you. You want to sort of find your way uh, outside of the disease. And that's a lot about what diabetics doing things is about is outside of what you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis with your type one diabetes, um, what are the things that you're passionate about and the things that you do? So for you, uh, what, what did you focus on? What were those, those areas where you said, I really want to do this and I really want to not be limited by my diabetes? Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I guess I always have been quite fiercely independent. Um, so I haven't wanted to, yeah, let it, let it hold me back from anything. Um, I've always been really active, really sporty. Um, I play tennis, um, netball, basketball. Um, yeah, I, and, and so I've always, I've tried to keep those up, I guess. Um, I also love musical theatre. Um, so, and, and that was a struggle, actually, really. But, you know, having to be on stage and, and be singing and acting and, and, and this really intense environment and not wanting to go low or go high or um, and trying to balance that was definitely difficult. Um, I imagine there were some uh, some backstage blood sugar checks during, uh, you know, between acts or how, how did that work? Yeah, for sure. And then kind of rushing off and, and stuffing my face with sugar if I needed it to then just rush back on stage. And um, yeah, it, it was definitely, it, uh, yeah, it's been hard um, to kind of get that balance right. <laughs> uh, and tell me a little bit more about uh, your musical theater background. Um, you know, is that something that you, uh, you still do or is that just something that, uh, you know, when you were younger and right as you were diagnosed, that was a big part of your life? 
Yeah, it's always been quite a big part of my life. I mean, I was I was actually probably growing up quite shy, um, and I think that's why my mum pushed me into doing musical theatre because um, I needed a bit of a confidence boost. Um, so I started doing speech and drama lessons, and um, and and sort of followed that process right through. So now. Um, I'm a qualified speech and drama teacher um, and just working on a few extra qualifications at the moment by distance uh, to be able to to be able to do that um, on the side of what I actually do. Um, it's not a full-time job or anything for me. Um, but yeah, I've always enjoyed being in musicals and, and plays and performances. Um, and it was when I moved to, after I graduated um, from university, I moved to a small town in New Zealand um, and got involved involved in sort of amateur theatre there and landed a few lead roles and shows and um, yeah just uh, it, it's it's a great sort of environment I love being on stage but I don't know even more so in small towns you go on this journey when you're doing musical theatre um, and every, no one's getting paid to do it um, everyone's just doing it um, because they love it and you spend so much time with these people for you know a good six months to put on a show sometimes and they become well you sometimes see them more than your actual family and they become kind of your your second family and um, yeah I, I just I love that whole vibe it's it's awesome it's so much fun we have a very similar um Thing here in Dallas uh, at Dallas Comedy House. So I'm involved in an improv comedy theater and community. And we actually now have six type one diabetics who uh, have just randomly uh, met each other through the theater. So we're going to do a big uh, di- wow. diabetics only show uh, later on this year to raise money for uh, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, which is uh, which is big here in the U.S. I'm not sure if it's as big in New Zealand, but um yeah, it's, it's been really interesting that uh, just by random sheer happenstance that six of us are all in the same theater together. And like you said, it's a very small, uh, like close-knit environment. Nobody gets paid for it. It's very, uh, you know, just doing it for the love. So it's uh, kind of cool to share those passions and also have, uh, you know, I even uh, loaned some insulin to one of my uh one of my friends because (laughs) her insurance was delaying her ability to get insulin. And so, um, you know, it's, it's interesting when you start to meet other friends in the community, you're, you know, how your resources sort of expand and you get that extra support, not, not just from your friends who love what you love, but also who know what you're going through. Oh, it's amazing. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, as, as you were getting comfortable sort of living your life with type one, was there a particular moment where you're like, you know what, I can really do this. I can, uh, I can, I'm bigger than low blood sugars. I'm bigger than high blood sugars and I'm gonna, you know, press on and really, you know, find my feet. Uh. Looks like we're having a little oh, bit. Of, I'm here. I, I, we're having a little bit of a connection issue, but um, hang tight for a one minute. Oh. Okay, I think we. I think we're good. Oh yeah, we're good. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it has. To be honest, it's taken longer than I really expected to get to a point in my life where I'm actually comfortable with my diabetes and uh and and management um i 
Yeah, I mean, I've, I've gone through a few years probably battling with a bit of an eating disorder um, associated with, with diabetes, which was, was really difficult. Um, you know, I guess you get diagnosed and theoretically it seems simple, you know, um, t- test your blood sugars, um, you know, count your carbs, in- inject yourself with insulin accordingly, you know, in theory that seems simple. Um, but for me, I, I guess <clears throat> it started, I, I started to have a few issues with it because um, I gained a lot of weight when I first got diagnosed and I had always been that skinny girl and, you know, I'd always been active and I'd never had any issues with my weight before. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's on your mind constantly, um, food, uh, insulin, and everything and and for me I sort of started to associate insulin with weight gain um and then that led to a really sort of heavy internal battle for me to be wanting to inject myself with insulin when I kind of it almost felt like you know I was injecting myself with fat and it was I, I probably went I kind of went to a bit of a weird dark place really with that whole um kind of mental um, struggle. Um, but we've got a real, the, the, the New Zealand sort of health system has a really good um, team and and I, through, um, you know, my, my hospital visits, they put me onto a clinical psychologist who I went to see once a week. And, um, and, and that was awesome. That was really, really helpful for me just to, you know, realise that there aren't any bad and good numbers and, you know, you know, if you want to live a long and healthy life, you have to just get on with it. Um, you know, it's not the end of the world if you have a high blood sugar. Just, you know, um, inject yourself with insulin, manage it, move on. Um, so you've probably for a good sort of three years maybe, that was a bit of – I had a few up and downs with that. Um, but – yeah, and it really only has been kind of the last year, honestly, that um, I kind of said to myself, right, you know, you need to you need to move on from this, and you need to just do what you need to do to live a healthy life. Um, I don't know what I, I feel like. Maybe I was waiting for something bad to happen that would really kick me in the ass, so I would go, okay, right, sweet, um, let's move on from this. Let's, um, you know, but it didn't. Like I was always. Yeah, I mean, I, who knows what will happen in the long run with, with me and whether uh, sort of a few years of poor control will will lead to any complications. Um, I guess that's just nothing so far, so that's, that's good. But, um, yeah, well, I, I've actually I moved to Wellington just over a year, just under a year ago, and um, a new job, a new city, and it was kind of just a, a chance for me to, to start fresh and really prioritise my health. And, um, you know, I've been really lucky. I've got a great personal trainer. Um, I have just sort of, yeah, been really focused on my nutrition. And and, um, the mental battle isn't so bad anymore. And it's been, yeah, it's been a good year. I'm feeling really good with where I am right now. Well, you hit on a couple of really, really important points. And I think um, 
you know, it's hard enough for, you know, growing up and, and living anyway. And then you throw diabetes into that mix, um, along with all the ups and downs of high blood sugar and low blood sugar, and then the emotional response with each, because it can be pretty taxing. Um, and, you know, not to mention, you know, insulin as a, is a depressant. So, you know, the more insulin you're taking and, you know, the, sometimes you'll have low days or you're just not feeling like yourself. Um, and, you know, sometimes other medication that you've got to take alongside it, whether, you know, for, a, um, you know, different uh, effective, uh, you know, disorders or things that come along with diabetes in the endocrine system. And I think, you know, you start to realize it's like, wow, this is a lot of, a lot of stuff. And I think what you were mentioned as well about it, it's not just about one high blood sugar or, uh, you know, one low blood sugar and that being the end of the world, but, you know, just really trying to promote, you know, positive, healthy lifestyle, um, you know, as much as you can on a day to day basis. And then, uh, you know, kind of moving forward. Uh, what do you, you said you'd had a great year and yeah, and and, I mean, that's... sorry, go ahead. Oh, so no, sorry. I thought I lost you for a little bit there. Um, what was, what were you saying? Sorry. I was saying, uh, you know, you, you said, you mentioned that you moved back to Wellington, um, and that, you know, you've got a personal trainer and that you're really feeling, you know, really positive about where you're at now. Um, what are some of the changes that you made? Uh, how did you either, you know, actual like changes or just in your mindset or your approach? What, uh, just talk a little bit about that journey. Um, I guess one of the, the biggest things has been not actually focusing on the number on the, on the scales. Um, and, and that actually translates into, you know, how I deal with seeing my blood sugar since I've been up here, um, I've lost, you know, more than 10% body fat. But looking at the scales, my weight is still the same. So, and, and for a start, I was going, oh, my God, you know, I'm doing all this hard work. And and um, and if, you, if I was just looking at the, at the number on the scale, that's kind of discouraging. But, you know, I've, I've built... I've built a whole lot of muscle, lost a whole lot of fat. So actually, and if you look at photos um, comparing, you know, the, me this time last year to now, um, the difference is, is actually quite awesome. Um, and I'm really happy with with where I'm at. But um, that's been, yeah, it's just sort of changing my mindset a little bit and um, focusing on yeah, just being healthy and not necessarily um yeah, put, and putting less sort of weight on actual body image, which is hard in, in these days of, you know, social media and, um, yeah, following all of these people that look incredible and lead these uh, seemingly amazing lives on Instagram and, and Facebook and um, and yeah, my, I mean, my personal trainer as well, he's, he's kind of been really fascinated by diabetes. He hasn't known that much about it, but he's, um, learned a little bit more, um, about that sort of thing. And he's really supportive. And, um, I actually, I don't know, did you follow him on Instagram? Phil Graham, um, the diabetic muscle health. I just ordered his book and, um, finding it really interesting to read about, you know, specifically, um, you know, building muscle, losing fat with diabetes. Yeah, I've uh, I've seen some of his stuff. I've, I have not read his book, but I've, I follow him on Instagram. And obviously, you know, he, um, you know, in his bodybuilding journey, I think is really important for uh, a lot of diabetics. Um, and I know he's inspired a ton, a ton of people um, in that world and really given a lot of people hope because exercise is tough with type one diabetes. I was a I was a college and professional basketball player and 
my blood sugar, I would get so stressed out before games, my blood sugar would go up to like 400 without eating anything. It would go from like 100 to 400, which is, a, I'm guessing like if, if 80, it's probably like 70, 65 around there. And, uh, and so, yeah. and so, and I, and I had no explanation and I couldn't give myself insulin for it because then I would just crash all the way down and go, you know, really, really low. So, you know, trying to approach, you know, but it was what I love to do and really, you know, calming myself down and finding a new way to get ready. And, um, you know, it was sort of just a continued challenge. And, mm. you know, the thing that, you know, helped, mm. helped me and really still does, I think, you know, as, as, you know, life is a long, life is long and it's sort of just appreciating the journey and the things that you learn along the way and, you know, not holding yourself to one number, whether it be on a scale or on a meter or wherever. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. I think it, it's funny. Um, sometimes I would think, man, like, what would my life be like if I didn't have diabetes? But for so many reasons, like, I'm almost not, well, I, 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 I am grateful for it a little bit, you know, it has made me mentally stronger. Um, it has made me more aware of my nutrition and my health. Um, you know, it's, it's made me ask, for help um, when I'm fiercely independent and don't like doing that. And, and you know, for so many different reasons, I kind of am grateful for it. And, and you know, I do wonder sometimes, yeah, where I'd be, what my life would be like without it. But honestly, I'm, I'm okay with having it now. And I'm really happy with what it's taught me. And, and um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind if my pancreas actually worked. But um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm just finding myself in a in such a good place now that I'm not too worried anymore. I, I think that's something uh, you know I think about a lot as well. Um, I just automatically have something in common with a lot of really cool people uh, that I didn't know. Uh, you know, I didn't know were out there before, and I, well, I guess I did, but mm -hmm. I never never really talked to them. And you know, so even like this conversation, like you, you know, your story is super inspiring, and I think. Um, you know, thank you for being so open and, and honest about, you know, what it's really like to live day to day with type one and, and having to deal with the, you know, with positive body image and then doing the things that you love. And, um, that's a really important conversation to have. And I think it's, you know, brave to be able to talk about it, but also, uh, you know, somebody may need to hear that and, um, you know, somebody out there, it, it could be exactly what they needed to hear. And even if it's just one person, um, you know, I think it's worth it. And, um, sure. I want, I want to be cured, you know, really bad. I would love that. I would love to not have diabetes anymore, but then I just have that in common with a bunch of other people who used to have diabetes as well. Um, so I think that's, you know, the community is such a huge part of this and I'm really, you know, glad that uh, you were able to come on and share that story. Um, so now I've got some fun questions to ask if, if you, if you, <laughs> if you want to talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah. so uh, I always ask, uh, do you have any sort of crazy low blood sugar or high blood sugar moments where, you know, something, some sort of funny, you know, wild, outrageous story? Oh, probably not, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't had too many extremes. Um, you know, at my, well, my old flatmate, she would laugh if she, if she heard this because you know she'd often come into the kitchen and I'll be stuffing my face with something and you know make jokes about how you know oh, you've got diabetes so you can do that and um yeah she'd, she'd find me in some fairly compromising positions sometimes like raiding the chocolate chip jar or something at that like you know desperate times 
No, nothing, nothing too extreme has actually happened, to be honest. Which I, 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 mean, I was actually, I probably feel pretty lucky. No, that's good. And I think, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned, you know, a flatmate or a roommate. Uh, you know, those roommates of diabetics have seen some funny stuff. Like, I'm sure me chugging orange juice out of the bottle in the middle of the night is always a strange sight to see. If, uh, you know, if somebody were to wake up and see that. Or uh, I know my... Yeah. Uh, my uh, housemates in college saw some pretty funny, uh, and you know, remarkable diabetes, low blood sugar stories in their, in their time with me. Um, what about, uh, your supplies? Uh, what do you carry with you? What's something you almost never leave the house without? Uh, my supplies. Well, actually I just got a bag from, this is a more like Instagram related sort of connections. I just got a bag from my Betic, mm-hmm. Um, and after I found them on Instagram and so that's cool. It's like an actually kind of nice looking bag, um, which has my wallet and everything else as well as a like specific diabetes compartment. Um, so I carry around all my bits and pieces and that, um, and gluco tabs, I'm not sure if you get them in the States, but, um, yeah, that's kind of my go-to now. I always have them on me. They just come in a wee tube and, um, and don't necessarily make me feel bad about sort of, you know, and that was, that was one of the struggles, I guess, having, um, you know, going low was having to eat and eat sugar. And uh, yeah, when you've been exercising, you're like, oh, it's just canceling out what I've done. Um, so yeah, I really like these, um, gluco tabs and I take them everywhere I go. So I'm not necessarily feeling guilty about, you know, eating jelly beans or sugar or anything like that. So yeah, that's my go-to. Yeah. It's always a weird feeling when you're, it's like 7am and you have to chug a Coca-Cola or something. It's like, this is not, this is, I would never do this otherwise if I didn't have to, (laughs) didn't have to spike my blood sugar up. Yeah. Um, is there anything, I think, uh, you know, as we sort of, you know, wrap this, the interview up, I mean, I think you've covered so much really great, uh, information and, and, you know, thank you so much for telling your story. Um, you know, is there anything that you used to do all the time or maybe you used to eat a lot or, or it's something that you do, used to do that you never do anymore. That's sort of a, something that you've left in your, in your life before diabetes. Yeah. yeah. Um, not really. I mean, I guess. You just sort of, I'm just sort of a bit more conscious of things now. Um, you know, I, I've always led a generally pretty healthy life. Um, yeah, I guess you've just got to think about things before you, do, before you do them now. I don't really, I couldn't just sort of eat lots of sugar, eat lots of ice cream and terrible things. Um, yeah. There's not, I mean, yeah, again, I don't really want it to let me, I don't really want diabetes to stop me from doing anything. So um, I try not to. It's just sort of making wiser decisions and being a little bit more conscious about things when you're doing them. And uh, in that same sort of vein, is there any, is there, if there was one thing that you could tell somebody with diabetes or somebody who was recently diagnosed or, you know, go back and tell your, your younger self, uh, what would you tell them? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably, if I was telling myself something, heading back into where I started really struggling mentally with it, um, you know, it would be that that you're stronger than the ups and downs, you know. Um, other people out there are struggling with the same things as well. And, you know, it wasn't until I actually started 
looking into what I was doing online and, and discovered that actually, hey, it's not just me that's crazy. And that's what that's what I think I struggled with is that I thought that I was totally alone in my inability to mentally deal with having diabetes. And then you come across all these other people and, and just to talk about it, you know, um, have those conversations and um, reach out to people and, um, you know, you can do it. <laughs> Well, Rebecca, thanks so much for uh, for coming on to the show. Uh, I really appreciate it. It was lovely to meet you, and I really, uh, you know, you really undersold it. You had a great story to tell, and uh, and I really, really, really appreciate it. I think it's going to be an awesome episode. Um, so uh, if 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 our oh, thanks for having me. Uh, hopefully, I gave you some interesting content. Yeah, absolutely. And and if uh, if our listeners want to contact you, uh, where can they find you online? Um, I mean, Instagram is probably my best form of um, form of communication on social media. Um, my handle's Hello Rebecca Speaking, and it's just a bit of a random mix of photos of my life with diabetes, um, bit of photography. I love photography, uh, musical theatre, sport, just a bit of everything. <laughs> Uh, well, we will definitely, uh, you know, encourage everybody to, to keep track of you and uh, we will stay in touch uh, via Instagram as well. Thanks for listening to Diabetics Doing Things. Subscribe to our newsletter for weekly emails and behind the scenes content. And if you or someone you know has an amazing story to share, send an email to rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com.